good morning again. Again, good to see everybody out this morning with us. Before we turn loose for uh, Children's Church, how many did we have, Ernie? 63. All right, not quite 80, but not insurmountable. Oh, Glenn. 15 in the basement, Glenn says. He wanted to know if we could use cutouts and put in the in the pews if that would count. So, Well, not hardly 80, but it's a good crowd. Good to have everybody out. want to encourage you to not lose hope. Uh, it's not an insurmountable uh, thing to have to uh, make up 17 over the course of the next three weeks. So certainly encourage you to do that. Let's see. Ernie and Lisa have Children's Church this morning. So those 12 and under like to go over for that. I encourage you to do so, and let's see if you want to go ahead. Well, not our uh, hymn of invitation. Will the words will be up on the screen today? Uh, we'll be using "I have decided to follow Jesus" for that. So, be looking up on the screen for those. Certainly good to uh, to be here with you this morning. Good to see everyone out. Uh, some folks not been able to be with us for a while. Good to have you. Here and it's always a privilege for me to share God's word with you. If you're logging into uh, Facebook or onto YouTube later, uh, good to have you with us. And certainly want to invite you to be with us uh, anytime you can for any of the services that we have. Of course, uh, for those that may not know, we are back to our regular services: Sunday school at 10, worship at 11, Sunday uh, evening worship at 5, and then Wednesday evening worship and prayer at 6 30 so i want to encourage everyone to come out for that any of those services some of you may or may not have heard about the tragedy down at the rap concert at houston last night where they first thought that the crowds had pressed well and they did the crowd's so big they pressed in uh, like they do sometimes a lot of times we hear this at a soccer game but uh, crowds pressed in they ended up eight were killed in that ranging from age 14 to I think 27 I think so tragic young people and then I've seen some additions to that story which makes it even sadder uh, I've seen uh, it was on the news this morning as we were getting ready for church uh, one of the security personnel that was uh, also injured said that when he had reached or, or was moving toward the crowd his captain was saying this that he felt a prick in his neck and someone had actually injected him with some type of opioid because they had to administer Narcan to him. Well, come to find out, now they suspect, the last I read on it, that many of those victims may have had the same thing, may have been injected with uh, some type of opioid uh, which contributed to their deaths. Certainly a tragic thing. So we need to keep uh, those families in our prayers. And, and that was kind of what I was... The reason that I was uh, mentioning that last night when I put this uh, on here, even before the, the new details, <clears throat> was about how people was conducting themselves. And of course, I guess maybe because we're seeing restrictions loosen up and everybody kind of is, is getting back to normal and, and feeling, feeling a little less restricted that maybe some of that caused that, that press or that crush of the crowd. But we see it also in other areas, politicians, uh, this week not conducting themselves as their party line wants them to do, voting the opposite way, or, or um, elected officials not acting in a manner worthy of an elected official. And, and, uh, and I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but it seems like uh, 
in the past couple of weeks, people just don't act what I'll call normal. Uh, I don't know if it's the freedom, the suppression coming out from where we've been kind of hemmed up or if it's because of the stresses caused by the supply chain crisis or if it's a permanent full moon that I'm not aware of or, or what the case is, but people are just acting uh, and conducting themselves in a way that's uh, not what we would normally see. Even locally, we've probably all heard either on the news or maybe through Facebook or, or uh, heard it uh, by mouth about the young lady that was rescued from, they, they haven't said kidnapper, but they did charge the man with unlawful imprisonment uh, up in London. She was an underage girl from North Carolina. And because of those hand signals that she gave, uh, someone recognized those and, and she was able to be uh, released, I guess, from a family friend. And with family friends like that, we sure wouldn't need a family enemy, would we, for comparison of that. So can the conduct that people have, and, and we see that increasingly over the course of, of time, that man's conduct continues to move further and further away from what is desired by God. So this morning's sermon is, I hope, encouraging, uh, uh, encouraging sermon. I've titled, Conduct Yourselves as Christians. Conduct yourselves as Christians. And I, and I go further to say that in all circumstances, that we should strive above all things to conduct ourselves as Christians in all circumstances. And we're going to use Paul's wisdom from his letter in to the Philippians. So if you want to go ahead and turn on over to Philippians chapter 2, uh, the entirety of our sermon will come from the first four verses that he uses here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And we begin to see and, and kind of peel back what Paul is writing to us and the church of Philippi about the conduct that we as Christians, we as believers, we of, we of those who are covered by the blood of Christ, who name Christ as Savior, how we should conduct ourselves. Beginning in verse 1, he writes and says, If there be any, or if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each other esteem each other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then he goes on to say, and conclude this little section, in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. And that's what we need to think about is how we, now it's important, it's always important for us to conduct ourselves as Christians each and every day. And as the holidays grow closer, grow closer we're going to have more opportunity to be in contact with people more. And certainly we need to, especially in the day and age where we're, what we're just coming out of the situation with the virus and we're kind of going into now with the uh, with the pandemic ending and now this supply shortage 
Has anybody noticed an increase in prices of groceries? Meat, gasoline. Budgets are going to be pushed thin for many people. We have to be mindful of that. We have to be mindful of that because what we're going to see here throughout this little, these short little four verses that Paul writes us about, people are concerned, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Because we can plan maybe a little emergency money back in case the fridge goes out or we have to have a set of tires or, or something goes wrong that we're unexpected. But once you have something that's sustained increase on your budget, it's hard to plan for that. And many people are going to suffer. And through the holidays, what does that mean? That means that they're going to be a little more short-tempered. That means they're going to be a little less compassionate. That means they're going to have a little less mercy. Does that mean we as Christians should not have? All the more important for us to show that and display that. Looking at verse 1, what's the first thing that we see here as he talks about? He says, if there be therefore any consolation or encouragement, some of your uh, versions may say, if there be any encouragement in Christ. Have you ever thought about that? Have you asked yourself in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, are you encouraged on a daily basis? We think about it. We should be. We should be because we know that just as the song says, not just some of my sins, but all of my sins were nailed to the cross. That's encouraging. That even though I'm going to mess up, I know that Christ and God will forgive me. Encouragement. He says, if there be any encouragement in Christ, if there be any comfort in love, any fellowship, he says. But we think about the encouragement portion. If we are encouraged by the promises of God, if we are encouraged by the lessons of Jesus Christ that we read and we study about uh, each day, and we do do that, don't we? We do read and study about the love and promises of God through Jesus Christ each day. We are encouraged through that. Is it hard to pass that encouragement along to other people? Is it difficult to disengage from things that would be negative and as a Christian engage in the positive and the encouraging? That's what he's saying here. Because there's plenty of negative out there. There's plenty of discouraging out there. Because people are tying their hope to something here on this earth. Something they can see, feel, touch, smell, hear. But our hope's not there, is it? Our hope is in Christ. And we have to be able to pass that encouragement along like he's uh, saying here. And in likewise, if you look on, as he goes on, look at the rest of the chapter, or the verse, rather. Comfort in love, fellowship of the Spirit, bowels and mercies. And that's comfort and mercy. Or heartfelt compassion. Those are things that's missing from our society today, aren't they? Bowels and mercies. We don't talk that way today. But that's heartfelt compassion. That's something that is missing from our society, is heartfelt compassion from, no, and don't get me wrong, you will see instances of that where people have heartfelt compassion towards someone and, and then you hear about a good story. 
Uh, most recently, I seen an article, a news article on a young man who was uh, running in a cross country. It's that time of year, uh, cross country state uh, competition. Uh, his rival competitor from another school, he knew the boy, but would, they were strong rivals and they would compete against each other pretty regularly at swapping wins and losses. And they were in the state championship and his rival at near the end of the finish line, we've all heard this and seen it before, but it happened again recently, his rival collapsed. He was in front of him. And the boy come around the corner and there his friend and rival lay in a big heap. His legs were like jello. If you watch the video, you can see that. The young man with heartfelt compassion picks up his rival and they limp across the finish line together. That is an example of what Christ and what Paul's trying to tell us about. Even when we sacrifice something that we have worked hard for and, and really want to achieve, when we see someone that has need, we have enough compassion toward that need that we sacrifice what we were wanting, our goal, to help someone just make it across the finish line. That's heartfelt compassion. That's what Paul is talking about. And that's what I want to encourage all of us here this morning and all that are watching on video or will watch on video later is that one thing that we need to restore in our communities all across this land is heartfelt compassion toward other people just to help them get across the finish line of each day. And I think that's what Paul's trying to remind us here. And we can become, if we're comforted by God's love, someone else can be comforted by God's love. If we're enabled with these attributes of, of these blessings from our relationship, then we can share those and not only share those, but be those examples of Christ to other people, which is woefully needed. I think you would agree. And when we act in those manners that Paul's writing about, then we're being that example of being Christ to someone. Then we're fulfilling what Christ would desire. And that's what he talks about, that my joy, fulfill my joy. In this next verse, verse 2 here, he'll say, fulfill my joy. Make me proud. Be part of the team. And when we do that, we're actively uh, doing the things that Christ called us to do. Look at verse 2 as we continue. It says, fulfill my joy, or fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And he calls for us to be one-minded. To be one-minded, of one accord. Same goal. Same perspective, uh, or purpose rather, not perspective necessarily, but the same goal, same purpose in God. That's what that's talking about, of one mind, of one accord, that we're all pulling together, pulling together for the same common purpose, same values, same. Just like our uh, excellent example of that is the shoebox ministry. We, as a team, or as a group, as a congregation, throughout the course of the year, had one goal in mind, the same goal. Each time the list would come out about the items for the month, we would bring those in so that we could have the main goal, which was to fulfill the boxes. 
and send those boxes out. In that way, we were like-minded. And he calls for us to be that way in everything, not just a shoebox program. And I'm not saying we're not, but that's the kind of mindset that we have to have in everything that we do as representatives of Christ is to have that same kind of mindset that we're going to pull together and pool and do what's necessary to meet the goal. And what's the goal of the church? To serve the community, correct? To serve the community in the name of Jesus Christ so that they might come to the knowledge of what? His saving grace. His love, His mercy, His compassion for us. His sacrifice that He made so that we may have eternal life. That's why it's so important that we be of one mind, unified. Not that we're walking around with uh, no thoughts of our own, but the goal is the same. The goal is the same. Having one mind. Went to a fire training yesterday up in London. May have, some of you may have seen it on Facebook. They put pictures all over there. We, we did training on school buses. We were blessed and able to have some modern school buses to use to train firefighters. Not that I can remember, but three or four at the most of the 60 or 70 first responders that were there had ever had the opportunity to have training on that. Real blessing we were able to do that. If you get an opportunity to look on Facebook, it's uh, London Law Rescue Squad. I think Josh copied it over onto our church page. Look at those pictures of those scenarios. And I'm not wanting you to look at the torn metal and, the, and where the, the bus is in relation and all the difficulties that would come with that. I want you to look and see how many times in those photos did you see one first responder working by themselves? And I'll just go ahead and, and give you the answer, none. <laughs> because you have to work as a team. You have to work as a team in those situations in order to be successful for the common goal, which would have been to rescue potential victims. It's that same kind of mindset. That every department, do they all share the exact same method about doing certain things? No, they all had a little something different that they did, but they all took those differences and worked together for the common goal, and that's what we have to understand. That we, even ourselves as Locust Grove Christian Church, may not have the exact same method of doing something that a church down the road may have, but we may have the common goal to serve the community. So does that mean that we can't come together and work together? Sure we can. Sure we can. Be of one mind. The same goal. And then look as he goes on in verse 3. And this is what gets in the way of that being of one mind, okay? Just to go ahead and clue you in. This is the next verse is what gets in the way of that. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. So first we're going to address that first part of verse 3 there, 3a, if you will. Let nothing be done in strife or vain glory. In other words, don't try to impress people. Don't be done to, don't do something to impress Oftentimes, and what we see here and what we experience in real life is that people will do something to do two things. 
they will try to impress someone else and it will be at the expense of someone else. So it's kind of like they raise themselves up and push someone's head down. And what's Paul saying? Don't do that. There's no room for that in the church. There's no room for that in the Christian's life, much less the church. But there's no room in that uh, for that in our lifestyle. No room whatsoever. Let nothing be done. Respecting others, respecting their opinions, respecting maybe they do things a little differently. As long as everything they do lines up with the scripture, there's nothing that says we all have to, to do things the exact same way. But it has to line up with the scripture. Maybe other churches uh, have communion at the end of the service. I've seen nothing in the scriptures that I've ever studied that says that you have to have communion at the point of the service that we have it. See what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be the way that we do it just as long as it's the way that God says it should be done. No orders and that sort of thing. Sadly, many folks, it's, it's my way or misery. You ever know somebody like that? You ever work? Hopefully you've never worked with anybody like that. That it's my way or misery. That's not the way that Christ would have us to treat people. That's not the way that we should model Jesus Christ. We should be open to hear and bend and flex again let me say as long as it lines up with the scripture now I'm not encouraging nobody to go against what God's word says I want to make that very clear but when it's things of man when it's things of my opinion versus your opinion or in my experience it worked this way and your experience it worked this way and we use one of the ways don't get mad because they didn't pick your way as long as the common goal, remember, be of one mind. What's the goal here? As long as the goal is met, what's it matter? Because God's supposed to be getting the glory, not me. God's supposed to get the glory, not me. So it's just, let me just say, it's not a good way for a Christian to live. It's not a model of Christ for us to say and be so rigid and say, well, it's my way or you will pay. I've, I've seen that situation before. You will pay with misery. You will pay. I will undercut you at every opportunity. I will talk about you behind your back and, and have your support lessened and ridiculed. That's not how we should be operating. And I'm glad that we don't. But that's what I'm saying the world is. So what is, if it's the world's way, what does our way have to be? The opposite, right? It has to be the opposite way. So he says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but what? In lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Do we know what the word esteem as described by Webster's means? Respect and admire. I looked it up several different ways, and everything, every time I figured the respect, I didn't figure the admire part. But every time, respect and admire are used together in defining the word esteem. 
So that's what we need to esteem. We need to respect and admire our brothers and sisters in Christ for their efforts. See ourselves as, as he says here, humbly seeing ourselves less. You're better than I am. I have more respect for you and your feelings and your thoughts than I have for my own. That's what he's saying there. Not that the same mind's bad. But I want to esteem you. I want to respect and admire you at a level that I do higher than I do myself. And could you imagine if, if the whole world were that humble? Oh, no, I digress. You, your idea is better than mine. Oh, but, but no. Could you imagine there'd be no arguing, no fussing, no fighting. Everybody would be so humble. They would be so kind to each other. Uh, I'd, it's something that we can't imagine because it's so opposite of what we experience. But yet, for the Christian, that's what we're called. In loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And it's, it tears, it causes us a great deal of strife sometimes, even as Christians. Because we see people in and around us that don't follow the model that Jesus lays out, that don't follow what the Paul and Peter and all the other writers tell us to do, and they're successful, they're getting all these things, they never have problems, or it seems that they never have problems. Seems that they never have and go through the experience, the same things that here I am doing, I'm trying to live what the Bible says to do, and I can't catch a break, and sometimes it's hard to overcome that. But I asked you, when you start to feel that way, would you trade with them? Would you trade your salvation, eternity, at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the throne of God? Would you trade eternity for this temporal thing that you see and you perceive is so much better than what you have? I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade. So stop judging and looking at other people in that light. Respect, admire, think of them higher, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Esteem them greater than ourselves. See others as Christ did. Be Christ to those who do not know Christ as their Savior. Seek out to, to help. We see a lack of respect a lot in our school systems today with our students. And it gets worse as they get older. And sad. There was a conversation the other day uh, at the training. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the fellows uh, my age or maybe a little bit younger come up and ask questions about, well, what's it like to be a bus driver today compared to when we rode a bus when I was a kid? I said, well, there's a world difference. The kids have no respect for older people today. I mean, and we we swap stories about how they would go out and, and conduct a little mischief uh, on the school bus and do those sorts of things, and and it's different. It wasn't they did mischief because they didn't respect the driver. They did mischief because they just were boys having fun. Today we don't have respect. And it's different. We're raising a generation that respects no one's feelings, no one's positions, 
And it's a sad state that we're in. And it's the opposite of what Paul's calling us to do. It's the opposite of what Christ has taught us to do. And why it is so vitally important that we are seen as the opposite of what the world is seen as today. Which brings us to the last point in this section of scripture in verse 4. Listen to this part. Let not every man on his, on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know what he's saying there? He's saying just be just as concerned for the welfare and the affairs of other people as you are for yourself. Well, Rob, that's getting into people's business, isn't it? Not really. I'm not asking you to go have somebody to open their checkbook up or checking account and let you see that. But just be as concerned about people's needs as you are your own needs. I'm going to cite that example again. Who would have known? I wouldn't have. That this means help me. Did you know that? I didn't. I didn't know that. But that's what the that's the hand sign the girl made in the car. Remember, I was telling you earlier that she did this to a car passing by on the interstate. I wonder how many cars passed by on the interstate that had a rob in there. What's that girl doing? Maybe her hand needs stretched out. Maybe she's nervous. How many times did a car go by? That Here's the scary part about it. How many times did a car go by that recognized that hand signal? Before somebody picked up a cell phone and called dispatch. Because that's what happened. They were going down I-75, the girl did the signal, I don't know, she probably didn't hold it up as obvious as I am, it was probably kind of discreet. But someone drove by that car and seen that hand signal and thought enough of someone else's situation over theirs that they took a few minutes out of their day, their time, and made a phone call. And because of that, a girl is, is on her way, if she's not back home in North Carolina, she soon will be, hopefully. That's what it means to take as much interest in someone else's things as it would yours. Even just learning that. I mean, we all know now, okay? Open hand, thumb across, down. You see someone do that, that means, according, from what I understand, that is a kind of a universal distress signal. You see it, act on it. Just like if you, if you were at the lake and you see somebody in the water, no life jacket on, they're going down for the third time, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to act. You're going to throw them a, a life jacket, a cushion, or something. You're going to try to do whatever you can do. Be enough concerned about people that you will take a little time and act on their interest. And what's the conclusion of all of that? Verse 5. Verse 5. I want you to read it in your Bible. So if you have your Bibles open and look. Let this mind be in you which also is in Christ Jesus. That's how important that is for you. That's what he's saying to each and every one of us. Paul is writing 
for us to understand that that's the kind of mind that we need to have as followers of Jesus Christ because that's the mind that Jesus Christ had. And we can do it. We're all capable of it. And I encourage you, not only when we leave here today, but uh, next week and through the course of our week and through the course of the next couple of months, all the way up to Christmas and beyond. This is not something that we should just kind of put on during the holidays and then go back to something different afterwards. This is something that we need to develop that leads and guides our lives each and every day. This is not a temporary thing. So I want to encourage you to do that. And it's for our benefit. And it's for the benefit of others. Again, look, look at verse 1 as we finish. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, remember what that is, heartfelt compassion, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. That's what we're called to do. That's how we're called to act. That's why we're called to be a peculiar people because we act differently than the rest of the world does. We act differently than those that are without Christ acts. And that's what we see here. So be on the lookout for people's needs. And here's what people get this time of year. Tunnel vision. We only are focused on our own needs. Tunnel vision. We may see somebody in need and just walk right by them not because we wouldn't help them because we didn't see them because we're not looking so make sure you don't have blinders on make sure you don't develop tunnel vision and be looking out to help someone along their way because that's what Christ would do and that's what I call for us to do and I encourage each of us to do as well is to be more like Christ each day I don't think it's unreasonable for God to expect us to be, act like Christians, do you? To act like Christ? But here's what I know with the certainty. You have to accept Christ to put on Christ. You have to have the Holy Spirit to be led by the Spirit. And we do that by hearing the Word and believing, repenting of our sins and confessing Christ as our Savior, being buried with him in baptism to receive the remission of the holy uh, the remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit raise that new creation that looks more like Christ in how we act. We hold other people higher than ourselves. We look out for other people's interests uh, just the same as we would look out for our own. We don't do anything out of selfish ambition that's going to make someone look bad so that I can look good. We do it so that God may be glorified through his son Jesus Christ and the work that he has done in me. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you've accepted Christ and you realize, you know what? I'm not following the example that Paul's writing about. I need to get started back on it. And I encourage you to do that. You can. You have to have desire in your heart to do that. And if you need to support your brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to sing this hymn of invitation, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's going to be two verses of that. If you have a decision to make, let me encourage you to come as we stand and sing.